You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 20. Woohoo, 20 episodes. That's pretty cool. Today's episode is all about breastfeeding again. I told you guys that a few episodes ago, I did a breastfeeding part one questions Q&A, and then I was going to do a part two. So this is that part two. I know there are so many questions about pregnancy and birth and labor and delivery and all of that good stuff, but breastfeeding comes with oh my goodness, so many questions. So I felt like I couldn't just do one episode, you know, and then not talk about breastfeeding for like a really, really long time. I had to kind of do two on top of each other. So that is what we are going to do today. And again, I am not a lactation consultant, okay? I am a labor and delivery nurse. I am a registered nurse, but I am not a lactation consultant. So just be aware of that. A lot of the answers to these questions are refer yourself to a lactation consultant, but I myself am not one. I can still obviously answer a lot of questions about breastfeeding and lactation, but I do not have that expertise. I have not been trained as an LC. Maybe I'll do that in some time in the future, but I, as of right now, am not a lactation consultant. I do plan on having a lactation consultant on the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast sometime this year, so stay tuned for that episode. But this episode is just a solo episode and me just answering some more breastfeeding questions. So let's get started. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. This episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast was sponsored by Wellaments. Wellaments is a supplement and remedy line for infants and toddlers with products for teething, tummy, vitamins, and minerals, and for sniffle season, which we are currently in right now. <laughs> All of their products are USDA certified organic, which means so much more than the term, you know, just natural, okay? They are preservative free. There's no icky stuff like chemical preservatives ever okay? And they are bottled in glass, which is the best choice for the health of our planet and for the health of our tiniest humans. One of my favorite things that they have right now is their gripe water. I like to preach to moms about the use of gripe water if they're having babies with sensitive tummies, okay? So they have a great line of gripe water. And gripe water just relieves occasional stomach discomfort from gas, fussiness, and hiccups. It's available in their original nighttime and probiotic formula. And their ingredients include ginger, fennel, and chamomile. Many of their products like gripe water do need to be refrigerated after opening because they are preservative free. Okay, so just keep that in mind and make sure to read directions on the box before administering and write the date on the box so you know when to toss it out. If you're interested in anything that Willamence offers, any of their products, I do have a 15% off code for you and that is 
mommy labor nurse, not case sensitive, all one word. Okay, M-O-M-M-Y-L-A-B-O-R-N-U-R-S-E. And that is 15% off any of their products. You can visit their website directly at wellaments.com slash mommy labor nurse to save that 15% as well. And that will automatically be applied if you visit that link. And now let's get into today's episode. All right, guys, let's get into this breastfeeding episode. So what I've done is I've taken, I think there's eight more questions, and we are just going to go bam, bam, bam through these questions. So the first question is, how long should my baby nurse at each feeding, and how do I know exactly if baby is finished nursing. Yes, that is something that I totally struggled with personally when I was breastfeeding Walter because he was the kind of baby that he would just nurse and nurse and nurse and nurse and comfort nurse. And he was still latched on, but he's not really taking in a whole lot of milk. So I'm like, is he really even done? I don't know. So really the answer to this question is there really isn't a set time limit for nursing. Okay. Some babies are going to be like Walter, (laughs) where they just nurse for 45 minutes and that is their typical feeding, or they nurse for 20 or 30 minutes and that is their typical feeding. Some babies are like, I want the milk and then I want to get off and I want to do other stuff. Some babies nurse for 10 minutes or five minutes for a feeding or so a day and they get enough milk right then. Most lactation consultants do advise moms not to really watch the clock, which sounds like I've been totally guilty of this because I had all the apps on my phone of, you know, the kind of app that you can start and stop and keep track of your feedings. And I would be addicted to that. Like, okay, I got to start the clock as soon as I start breastfeeding, just so I know in my head, you know. But you really aren't supposed to do that. You just kind of let your baby nurse for as long as they want. The length of the feedings can really depend on so many factors too. So some babies, maybe they are typical like 10-minute, 10, 15-minute feeders. And then for a few days, they're wanting to nurse for like 45 minutes and they're not wanting to be taken off for you know a really long period of time, maybe due to sickness or they're going through a growth spurt or a leap or anything. So that is important to note too, that it's not abnormal for babies to kind of go through these periods where they want to nurse for a longer period of time or for you know more feedings a day. So just keep that in mind too. So really the best rule of thumb is to just allow baby to nurse as long as he's actively sucking. So really me looking back at me nursing Walter, I probably could have taken him off sooner in some cases because he would kind of fall asleep and then I would try to take him off and he would be like, suck, 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 suck. And it's really more that comfort sucking. So really use your best judgment. If baby is still actively sucking, okay, wanting more milk, then you know they're definitely not done. But if they're kind of falling asleep, they're getting really relaxed, their limbs and their hands are getting really relaxed and they're just not doing that really active sucking anymore, they're probably done. And also, it's totally okay if you want to just leave baby on for a while just to let him kind of comfort suck if that's okay with you. If you're just enjoying that and you want to just let him or her just kind of sit there (laughs) and comfort suck, some moms really, really enjoy that. I think that's 
part of the reason I didn't take Walter off a whole lot at the end of these really long feedings because I just kind of enjoyed holding him right there. But some moms kind of like to take babies off and that's totally fine. As a general rule too, this is kind of what I advise moms to do and what I've heard lactation consultants say to me personally, offer baby that first breast, okay? Think of it as this is dinner, okay? This first breast is dinner. You're going to probably eat all your dinner and then offer the next breast as dessert, okay? So sometimes babies are going to want to eat from that second breast and eat dessert. Sometimes babies are not going to want to eat from that second breast, but always offer it. Unless you're really having issues with your supply in terms of like you're having a really oversupply and you're really trying to stick with one breast per feeding, but that's kind of a general rule in terms of offering both breasts at each feeding. All right. So the next question is, how do I really know if baby is actually getting enough milk? Yes. Another really, really common question and really something that I struggled with too, because if we all think about it, okay, if you look at a bottle, it has numbers on the side. We can tell exactly how much milk is in this bottle, right? How many ounces is in this bottle? But if we look at our boobs, our boobs don't have these same markings. So we really don't know how much baby is taking in unless we're doing weighted feeds, you know, as baby is drinking milk. So as a general rule, and again, this is something that has been told to me by my pediatrician and by lactation consultants, I generally advise moms to keep in mind four things, okay? All right, number one is baby gaining weight, okay? That is one of the most important things. Baby should be gaining approximately five to eight ounces per week until they're about three months old. Then the weight gain requirements kind of go down a little bit. So if you just had a baby, five to eight ounces per week, once they get back to that birth weight, again, usually babies kind of lose a little bit of weight after birth and that's normal. Usually it takes them sometimes 10 to 14 days to get back to this birth weight. But once they get back to that birth weight, they should be gaining about five to eight ounces per week. Okay. And a lot of us aren't at our pediatricians every single week. I understand that. Sometimes you are, but most of the time in those first three months, you're not. So really, how do I know if baby's really like meeting, you know, those weight requirements every single week? Me personally, I had a local breastfeeding support group in my area that I would go to and I could weigh my baby every week to see if he was on that weight gain. And he always was. He was always doing really great at his check-ins. If you have something like that in your area and you're really concerned about your baby not gaining weight, I would definitely Google, you know, in your area, see if there's any breastfeeding support groups because 99% of them do have those scales there where you can weigh baby at each meeting. But if you don't have that available, you certainly don't need to go out and buy a fancy scale. Those are super, super expensive. I would just rely on your typical pediatrician visits, okay? If you're really concerned that baby is not gaining weight, this is when you call your pediatrician. You say, hey, can I just come in for a quick weight check, you know, just for peace of mind? And if you have a good pediatrician, they will certainly be okay with that. So, Number one is weight gain, okay? Number two is, is baby putting out enough wet and dirty diapers? After day four of life, okay, baby should be having at least six wet diapers a day and at least three to four dirty diapers a day. This is the norm, okay? 
Before that fourth day of life, what I was told by my pediatrician is it kind of goes up in days. So day one, expect one wet, one dirty. Day two, expect two wets, two dirties. Day three, expect three wets, three dirties. And then day four, we want to up it to these three to four dirties and six plus wet diapers. And that's how much baby should be putting out in the first six months of life. So if at any point baby is not putting out this much, okay, maybe baby is really, really slowing down those wet diapers, definitely give your pediatrician a call because this is certainly a sign that baby is either A, not getting enough milk, or maybe there's something medically going on with baby and it needs to really be explored further. Number three, Baby should be alert and meeting developmental milestones, okay? Lots of newborns are very, you know, sleepy kind of in the first few weeks of newborn life. That's normal. But if baby is always very lethargic all the time, even after this newborn period, then this is maybe something to bring up with your pediatrician. And this is really what goes back to that diagnosis of failure to thrive. This is something that's usually brought up during a pediatrician visit, this is something that pediatricians are designed to look for that baby is not meeting these milestones at each visit. Baby is looking very lethargic just all the time. You know, your pediatrician is asking you these questions and you're kind of saying, oh yeah, my baby doesn't really ever want to have any sort of awake playtime. Like they're always either irritable or they're always really wanting to sleep. So that is number three. Number four is your breast should kind of feel different after you nurse and you should actively kind of be seeing a milk flow as you nurse. So when you take baby off, your nipples should be wet, okay? And most of the time, your boobs should be kind of harder at the beginning of a feeding and kind of slowly go a little bit softer at the end of feedings. This does change a little bit as your body regulates its milk supply, we find that our breasts kind of don't do that engorgement, soft, engorgement, soft, as much they get softer and they get more used to breast milk production and that is okay. But as a general rule, they're just gonna feel a little bit softer, feel a little bit different after feeds. All right, let's move on to question number three. What to do if my baby is really having difficulty with latch. Okay. Very, very common. I personally did not have any trouble latching. I have very good breastfeeding nipples apparently, but a lot of people do. And this is a big, big problem that a lot of people face in the early stages and throughout, you know, the whole time you breastfeed. And sometimes it's not just nipples. It's not just that, you know, you have flat nipples. Sometimes it's baby's mouth, just baby's anatomy. There's a lot of issues that kind of go into latching. So the first solution that I always tell moms to do if they are complaining of this latch problem is to go see a lactation consultant in person, okay? They have lactation consultants. Usually, at a, you know, a lot of pediatricians employ them. Sometimes they're at community events, at like a breastfeeding support group, like I just talked about. Sometimes you kind of have to find them privately in your area, but definitely see one. If you really live in a rural area and you don't have any support nearby where you can see somebody in person, 
there is a really cool app called Pebble Parents. And I talked about this on my last episode that they have telehealth options where you can actually do a video consult with a lactation specialist, along with a lot of other things, a lot of postpartum healthcare specialists too, but lactation is a big one. And they usually prefer you to see somebody in person, but if that is not available for you, they have these visits that you can schedule kind of virtually. So if that is you and you really don't have any option except like an online option, and you can video chat with somebody, check out Pebble Parents. They have wonderful, wonderful resources. So lactation consultant, number one, if you really have an issues with latching, okay? Number two, if this is a flat nipple issue or you maybe have like inverted nipples, try to get your nipples to evert a little bit kind of before you latch baby on. So the best tip that I can tell you to do this is to get yourself either a hand pump, you can use your electrical pump if you want to, but I think it's just easier to have a hand pump right next to you and to pump for you really only need like 20 or 30 seconds to get your nipples kind of going so they evert a little bit and then latch baby on. Another tip is to kind of do different holds or different positions. Sometimes babies don't latch properly because they're not comfortable, okay? They want to get into a comfortable position. So maybe that means that you need to do the side-lying position or you need to kind of do the football position. If you have larger breasts, you know, X, Y, Z, there's all these different kind of positions you can do. Sometimes it's just kind of getting baby a little bit more comfortable so they can latch effectively. Another really great position too is the laid back position, okay? And that is great for babies, especially if they're having trouble latching because it's a little bit more baby led and they can kind of control the latch instead of you pushing baby on, putting baby on, baby kind of like latches on themselves. Another tip is maybe you are having issues with, maybe you're able to get baby to latch on effectively at first, but then baby's falling off in the middle of the feeding. You keep having to put baby on. It's taken forever. Another good tip is to really try to make as little adjustments as you can while you're feeding, okay? Some babies are, you know, they don't like change, okay? They get latched on. They're like, don't touch me. Just let me eat. (laughs) Some people are just like that. I I get it. So if you have a baby like this that is very sensitive to change during breastfeeding, try to make as little adjustments as you can. So try not to change a whole lot of positions, really let baby kind of guide and, you know, you just kind of sit and let baby do his or her thing as long as possible and, you know, try not to move as much as you can. And then finally, another good tip is try using a nipple shield, okay? And the thing with nipple shields, we're not going to get really heavy duty into nipple shields, but the thing with nipple shields is we always want to use nipple shields under the supervision of a lactation consultant, and these are usually, okay, short-term solutions to what's going on with the latch. And this is something I think that not a lot of people realize, but this is what my lactation consultant told me is that really nipple shields shouldn't be used in the immediate breastfeeding period. So if you just gave birth and you're using a nipple shield in the hospital and somebody gave you one or maybe even one of the nurses gave you one, that is not recommended as far as I know. Okay, again, I'm not a lactation consultant, but I think that is a general thing that we try to avoid using it right then. We want to try and establish lactation 
first for the first few days. And then really, if we're having trouble, we can use this nipple shield. Again, follow up with a lactation consultant. If they say something different, they're like, no, let's go for a nipple shield from the get-go, then that is okay. I'm not saying go against you know, what is recommended to you. I'm just telling you that that has been my experience. And a nipple shield works great because it allows baby to latch on to something that feels like an actual nipple, okay? If you have really, really flat or inverted nipples. And nipple shields are great because they allow your breast to kind of evert inside the nipple shield too. But again, this is usually a short-term solution, okay? We don't want to rely heavily on these nipple shields. All right, number four is how does ovulation play into breastfeeding? And can you still get pregnant while you are breastfeeding? Yes, okay, you can absolutely get pregnant if you are breastfeeding, even around the clock, guys, if you are exclusively breastfeeding, there is still a small chance that you can get pregnant. It does suppress ovulation, but definitely there are some ladies who have gotten pregnant in these situations. So we want to be aware of that. We want to always use other forms of contraception. If you're now past the mark of when you're allowed to kind of have sex again and you don't want to prevent pregnancy, If you haven't gotten your period back and you're still breastfeeding, we still want to use other forms of contraception. Now, the main reason for this is because exclusive breastfeeding, and if you do it in the way that I'm about to tell you, it does suppress ovulation and it is a very effective form of birth control. It's like, I think, 98% effective in preventing pregnancy but you have to do these very specific things. And a lot of moms do not do this or they give one bottle of formula and it screws it up or whatever. And we will get right back in today's episode all about breastfeeding questions after a quick break from this week's sponsor. I talked about them in the beginning of this episode, but this episode is sponsored by a company called Wellaments. And Wellaments is supplement and remedy line for infants and toddlers with products for teething, tummy, vitamins, and minerals, and sniffle season. They have a wide variety of products. They sent me a bunch of them, and I still have pretty much all of them in my office. I love their products because they are all preservative-free, USDA-certified organic, and bottled in glass. I talked about the gripe water in the beginning, and I also want to highlight one of their other really awesome products that they have is their vitamin D drops that is very important. We don't talk about vitamin D in this episode, but it's very important for moms who are breastfeeding. So their vitamin D drops, it promotes healthy growth and bone development, and one drop provides the recommended daily dose of vitamin D for all breastfeeding babies as determined by the American Academy of Pediatrics. They are great for breastfed babies along with their iron drops and their multivitamin drops, and they are also gluten-free and non-GMO project verified. Again, if you want to check out any of Wellamint's products, I do have a discount code for you, and that is Mommy Labor Nurse, not case sensitive, M-O-M-M-Y-L-A-B-O-R-N-U-R-S-E, all one word for 15% off any of their products. You can also visit their website directly at wellamints.com slash mommylabornurse to save that 15%. And now let's get back into this week's episode. So, This is called the LAM method, okay? Lactational amenorrhea method of birth control, LAM, okay? 
Lamb refers to the natural kind of postpartum infertility that occurs when women are not having their period, okay, due to breastfeeding. And this is common, okay? But you have to follow these very specific guidelines, okay? Number one, baby is less than six months old, okay? Baby is older than six months old. Don't rely on this as an effective form of birth control. Number two, your menstrual periods have not returned, okay? And number three, baby is breastfeeding on cue, both day and night, exclusively breastfeeding and gets nothing but breast milk. And that means if you ever gave one bottle of formula, one drop of formula to baby, then even if it was in the first day of life or in the first three days of life, and then you've been breastfeeding ever since, that can throw off things, okay? Not saying that it's not good, you know, if that's your choice and you want to give formula to your baby, it's perfectly okay. But if you're specifically trying to rely on this lamb method for preventing ovulation, you have to meet that criteria, okay? You cannot have ever given baby formula. With that said, there is that small chance that, you know, you still can get pregnant. So if you're really, really concerned and you want to use another form of contraception because you really don't want to get pregnant in those first six months and you're exclusively breastfeeding and you meet all those criteria, then absolutely do so, okay? Because there's still a tiny margin of error. And that's not to say, you know, if you use condoms and you follow that lamb method, that you absolutely are protected from pregnancy, okay? There's always a small risk (laughs) that you could get pregnant if you are having sex and you've not had a surgical removal of your uterus. (laughs) Or, you know, there's something going on where you absolutely like 100% cannot get pregnant. If you're having sex, there's always a small, small chance that you can get pregnant regardless of what contraception you use or regardless of if you're doing this lamb method. Another question, and this is still kind of going on that last question about ovulation, but another question that people often ask is, do I need to wean my baby in order to get pregnant? Let's say you haven't had a period, you know, it's been over the amount of time, you know, and you're wanting to get pregnant again. You probably don't need to completely wean your baby. You may need to stretch out some feeding so you start to get your period back but you probably don't need to completely wean, okay? Everybody's different though. Some people get their periods back and they're still breastfeeding eight times a day and their baby is, you know, however months old. But most women, if they start really stretching out their feeds, will eventually kind of get their period back. And then once you get that period back, hey, you are fertile again. You are fertile you know, kind of two weeks before that period comes back. So keep that in mind too, that a lot of times, this is very common. I hear this all the time that mom never got a period back. And then she was feeling kind of different one day and decided to take a pregnancy test and, oh snap, I'm pregnant again and I never had my period. So keep that in mind too. All right. Number five is what do I do about leaky breasts? Okay. And how to manage them. Leaky breasts. So leaky breasts (laughs) are not something that I really had to deal with personally. I didn't leak a whole lot after I started breastfeeding. Um, I kind of did like a little bit in the beginning. And then every once in a while, I would kind of just leak into my bra, but it wasn't even to the point where I had to wear breast pads. It was like a couple little drops and who cares? You, You just wash your bra. But a lot of people have this problem where they are super, super leaky. Okay. 
So here are some tips, okay? Breast pads, first and foremost, keep those stocked and with you at all times. And that means keep a bunch in your purse, keep a bunch at work, keep a bunch here and there in your diaper bags or in your car or wherever. If you're super leaky, you don't want to be kind of without a breast pad. They have a bunch of different variations. A bunch of different companies make breast pads and I can't comment on which one was the best because again, I did not use them a whole lot. But wearing these breast pads are great in your nursing bras. A lot of times they have little sticky kind of backs on them that you can just stick in your bra and it just kind of stays there and it just kind of absorbs the milk. Another tip is obviously breastfeed as often as possible, as often as baby wants, because a lot of time these leaky breasts come when we've spaced out our feedings a whole lot. So make sure you're emptying your breasts a whole lot. You know, maybe you're at work, you're away from baby. We want to make sure that we're pumping as much as we're feeding baby. Okay, this can really help to decrease that amount. Another tip is to wear clothing that can help to hide the fact that you're leaky. Okay, if you're like extra, extra leaky and, you know, you just have accidents and it just leaks through your breast pad and your bra, maybe wearing something that has like a pattern on it so it can kind of disguise a leak. If you want to wear a jacket or sweatshirt, it's cold outside or something, that's a good tip. If you're out and you don't have an extra breast pad or something, you're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Try to just kind of cover up or, you know, kind of go out with more patterned shirts. Another tip is a lot of times people start to leak if they hear other babies crying and they're not with their baby. So let's say this happens to you and you are just leaking right through your breast pad. Try, and now this is not something that I would personally do in public, but <laughs> you know, you do you girl, but apply pressure to your nipples, okay? So that means if you feel all of a sudden, you feel that tingling sensation of when you let down, and a lot of women do, you kind of put pressure on your nipples to kind of stop that flow, okay? Sometimes these leaky boobs are just something that we have to deal with, and we just have to always have breast pads on hand, but those are just a few kind of extra tips to deal with it. All right, number six is what to do about sore nipples. Oh, sore nipples. I do not miss that, and thanks me for making up these questions. Now I'm thinking about sore nipples and how much of a pain in the butt that was in the beginning. All right. So sore nipples, most commonly this happens in the beginning when we first start breastfeeding and we're first starting to kind of train our nipples for this baby or this pump to be latched on eight to 12 times a day. It's a lot at first for your nipples. So it is kind of unrealistic to think that your nipples aren't going to be at least a little bit sore. So here are some tips, okay? For me, one of the best things was just letting my nipples air out after breastfeeding, okay, and not letting my shirt or anything touch them. And one of the easiest ways to do that, if you can't be topless all the time, okay, sometimes you got people over and you can't be topless. I get it. (laughs) But one of the easiest ways to do this and to let your nipples kind of air dry and not really touch anything are to use these things called 
nipple shells. Okay. I got these. I think I actually got them from my hospital. I think they had them at my hospital and they gave them to me, but they are these cool little things that you can put in your bra after you breastfeed to allow there to be a little bit of space in between your bra and, you know, your clothes or anything else. You have like a little bit of airspace in between. So your nipples aren't touching anything and it is wonderful. So definitely check out these nipple shells. I know Medela makes them. I'm sure another company makes them, but those are the ones that I had. They were by Medela. Another really great tip is to use some creams or to use lubrication on your nipples. Okay. I liked coconut oil. There are a lot of different brands that you can buy, but I just liked pure coconut oil. Some women just use breast milk, if they have extra breast milk, just to kind of rub a little bit of extra lubrication on there in between feeds. And this is perfectly safe for a baby. Okay. I'm sure you want to still check ingredient lists if you're buying a nipple cream that has ingredients in it and go over it with your pediatrician. But I know coconut oil is just coconut oil and that is perfectly fine for babies. And obviously breast milk is totally fine for babies to just be on your boobs, but that extra lubrication can help a lot with soreness too. Next tip is to really soothe your nipples, okay? They have these things called hydrogel pads, okay? And you can stick them in your fridge and they're like little cool gel packs that you can put on your nipples after you nurse and that can really help with soreness. Another really good tip is to try different positions, okay? Maybe this is an issue maybe more with baby or baby likes to nurse on, you know, in one position or the other. Maybe one position is kind of giving you a little bit more soreness. That is common, so maybe try a different position. Another tip is maybe this is truly a latching issue. We need to see, we need to go to that other question that I just answered all about latching, and this isn't just purely soreness that is going to eventually go away. This is like painful hurt. Ow, ow, ow. I need help right now. So we need to involve a lactation consultant. And then finally, definitely be patient. Okay. If your soreness, so there's a difference, like I just said, between soreness and baby latches on in the beginning, you're like, ow, and then it goes away in a few seconds. That's normal. That happens. Okay. And that just takes a little bit of time to kind of go away. And it's important to be patient with this because for me, it was probably about a week I was breastfeeding and I wasn't getting that initial baby latch on ow for a few seconds, then it goes away. Your nipples just take a little bit of time to kind of roughen up and get used to baby sucking eight to 12 times a day or your pump pumping for eight to 12 times a day. So definitely just be patient, take time. If you need to take, you know, a little bit of break, if you need to, you know, if the pump is not bothering you and baby's bothering you or vice versa, maybe, you know, take turns with each one. But yeah, soreness is no fun. And soreness is a big contributing factor, I think, to why people stop nursing because they just can't handle the soreness. And I totally get that. You know, you don't want to be in all this pain. All right. Number seven is clogged ducts. What do I do? Oh gosh. I was definitely a sufferer of clogged ducts. Even though I I didn't have a great supply, I still, for some reason, especially in my right side, would get really clogged ducts from time to time. So I'm going to tell you the best tip that I did, but I'll also tell you kind of more tips of what I've heard of moms do. The best thing that I did how I would always get my clogged ducts out is I would take a hand pump in the shower, get in the shower, massage my 
breast for a while in like a hot shower, like a good 10 minute, really, really hot shower and massage my breasts first. Okay. To kind of like loosen things up. And then I would get my breast pump in there, my, my hand pump in there, my breast pump, my hand breast pump in there. And I would pump in the shower underneath that hot water and it would almost always kind of just loosen. Okay. That is what works for me. A lot of moms, there's a lot of other tips that you can try, but that heat along with massage, along with pumping, like as I'm doing massage and heat really, really helped me. And I never got them before I went back to work. I got them after I went back to work and I started pumping. So I have a hunch that it was something to do with my pump too. Maybe I really wasn't you know, I didn't have the right size flange or something was wrong with my pump or I don't know, but this was almost always like it would be after a day where I was working for a 12 hour shift. All right. So let's talk about trying to prevent these clogged ducts first. One of the best things that you can do is to just empty your breast frequently. Okay. A lot of times we get these clogged ducts when we're not empty, when we're, you know, taking a little bit more time in between feeding. So emptying your breast frequently, okay. And having a good latch and baby is getting enough milk, you know, in these feedings, you're having a good fit on your pump. Your pump is working effectively at draining your breasts. That's going to be your best prevention in terms of not getting clogged ducts, okay? Just making sure everything's coming out the right way. Another really good preventative thing, if you're really, really prone to clogged ducts and you just, you get them regardless of how much you breastfeed and how effectively you're doing it, is called sunflower lecithin. I think that's how you pronounce it. Sunflower lecithin. And I know there are a couple different companies that have this, but it just, from what I understand, it just kind of makes your milk a little bit more slippery. So you're less likely to get these clogged ducts. So definitely look into that if you're one that's just really, really prone to getting them, okay? There is a dose that you can take as management, okay? And there's a dose, an extra kind of dosage that you can take if you're trying to, if you have a clogged duct currently and you're trying to get rid of it. Obviously, anytime you take a new medication, talk to your provider about it, talk to your pediatrician about it, but I know sunflower lecithin is common and it is safe, but definitely, you know, I don't know what other kind of medications you're taking, so bring it up with your provider. All right, so what if we have one? Like I said, I told you kind of what worked for me. Another few tips are to do more warm compresses. Okay, my warm compress was the hot shower, but if you wanna just have a actual warm compress on there, like a heating pad on your boobs, it's gonna help, okay? A lot of moms find benefit from adding a little bit of Epsom salt to warm water and kind of soaking their breasts in like a solution of Epsom salt and warm water. I've even heard that a really, really effective way to do it is to do like dangle your breasts, just let them sit in like a little basin of warm water with Epsom salt. And then I recently saw, now I don't know what Instagram account it was now, maybe it was Milky Mama LLC, I don't remember, but they shared a post where they put a little bit of Epsom salt and warm water in the bottom of a haka pump, I believe, to help a clogged duct. And that was really, really effective at sucking out that clogged duct. I'm gonna try and find that post and link it for you guys to check it out. Again, I think it was on Milky Mama LLC, but I'll try and find it for you if you're interested in checking that method out. Another good tip is to nurse in a lot of different positions. So a good position 
tried and true position is doing dangle feeding. Okay, that just means that you're nursing baby kind of like a cow. (laughs) You're kind of dangling over baby and letting baby nurse while you're kind of dangling your nipple over them. That helps gravity and it also helps baby latch on and kind of work that duct out. Obviously, breast compressions too. I talked about that, that I was doing that with massage in the shower, but doing breast compressions, you know, while a baby is nursing in this position is going to be effective as well. And then sometimes, okay, sometimes this is due to like a little milk bleb, okay? And that is just like a little cap almost on the end of your duct and you can almost see it. Well, you can see it on your nipple. It's like a little white dot and sometimes you just kind of need to get that out and that will relieve your clogged duct. This was true for me too and sometimes it was just a matter of getting that plug out, that little bleb out and then my milk would start flowing again. All right, so after you get these clogged ducts out, it is okay to take a little bit of ibuprofen or Tylenol if you wanna take Tylenol, but ibuprofen is gonna be good if you don't have allergies because it's an anti-inflammatory. If they do hurt, clogged ducts are not fun. So it's certainly okay to you know give yourself a little bit of pain medication. And then cold compresses are okay to do after the feeding, okay, if you're really, really sore. You don't want to do that before because it can kind of close things up, but after the feeding, it's okay. And then let's talk about, you know, what kind of happens if you can't get these clogged ducts out and that is mastitis, okay? Sometimes these clogged ducts don't come out and they can progress to this thing called mastitis very, very quickly, which is an infection, okay? And mastitis, really the tried and true symptom is you start to get a really high fever and you start to really feel like you have the flu. And it's best treated with antibiotics, okay, and frequent nursing. You still want to frequently nurse if you get mastitis. So this is you and you're suffering from a clogged duct and all of a sudden you feel like complete crap and you feel like you have the flu and you start to get a fever. Definitely call your provider and they will you know, send you in a prescription for antibiotics. All right, number eight, this is the last question is, should I stop breastfeeding if I am sick? This is a really common question that people wonder too is if I have a cold or if I have the flu, like, can I still breastfeed my baby? Is my baby gonna get sick? No, you can absolutely still breastfeed your baby if you are sick, even if you have the flu, guys, it is still okay for you to breastfeed baby, okay? There are very specific times in very specific cases where it is not safe medically to breastfeed baby, but having a cold and having the flu is not one of them. So absolutely, if you just have a virus or something, you can absolutely still breastfeed. So really the only times that you should not breastfeed your baby, okay, are these next points that I'm going to make. So let's say you have certain infections like HIV, If you have tuberculosis, okay, untreated active tuberculosis, it's still okay to pump, but you don't want to breastfeed. If you have active, like a herpes lesion on your breast, it is not a good idea to breastfeed, but still okay to pump. And there are certain few other medical issues to where you can't, you know, it's not a good idea to breastfeed your baby. If you're ever concerned, definitely ask your provider about that. But there are very few illnesses where breastfeeding is contraindicated. 
Another thing I know, I hope all of my listeners are not taking illicit drugs and breastfeeding, but if you're taking illicit drugs, like hardcore drugs, illegal drugs, you don't want to breastfeed your baby. Okay. And then if you're taking some medications that are legal, that are prescribed to you, there are some medications out there that are contraindicated for breastfeeding moms. So this should be something that you want to ask Anytime you go to your provider while you're breastfeeding, it does not matter how much your baby is breastfeeding. Anytime you know you go visit the doctor and you have some sort of illness and they put you on some medication, always say, hey, just so you know, I am still actively breastfeeding because that is something that I found that a lot of providers don't just routinely ask. Even if you're the right age and you check all the right boxes, a lot of providers just aren't aware to ask that, you know, they want to know if you're pregnant, (laughs) but they, it's just not something always that's on their mind. So just keep that in mind. It's just like an extra check of you to say, okay, wait a second. I need to let my provider know that I'm a breastfeeding mom. So if they need to change this medication, they, you know, they can. If you're in doubt and you are taking a medication and let's say you forgot to ask your provider and then you get it from the pharmacy, definitely ask your pharmacist too. They are knowledgeable. They will know what kinds of medications are safe during lactation. And then obviously if you have cancer, okay, gosh, I hope, I'm really, really sorry if you have cancer and you're going through chemotherapy right now, but if you're going through chemotherapy, that is a contraindication for breastfeeding as well. But simply, you know, if you have a cold or you have a fever, you have some sort of virus, it's perfectly safe for you to continue to breastfeeding baby. Whenever we talk about sickness, you know, it's the middle, I guess it's March now. (laughs) We're still kind of within that flu season still, okay? Whenever we talk about sickness, I always preach hand hygiene, okay? So even though it is safe, absolutely safe to breastfeed your baby while you're sick, you still want to practice diligent hand hygiene, and also not touching your face. Your face has a many of the mucous membranes on it, like your nose and your mouth, to where if you have germs on your hands, they can get on your mouth, on your mucous membranes, and that's how you get sick. So frequent hand hygiene and not touching your face is going to be your best bet at preventing you know, these illnesses that we all, <laughs> that we all are aware of during this time of year. All right, guys, that is it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed. I hope I helped out, helped to answer some of these common questions. Leave me a comment on one of my posts or leave a comment on this blog post or whatever. Let me know if you like these Q&As, if you want me to continue these breastfeeding Q&As, want me to do more pregnancy Q&As or labor and delivery Q&As, but I do love doing these Q&As for you because like I said, story questions, I do them every Sunday, but I just can't elaborate like I really want to sometimes. So I really do enjoy doing these Q&As for you guys. So yeah, I guess I'll see you guys next week. Are you looking for birth education? Did you know that I have two fabulous birth courses that are super affordable? Well, I do. Head over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast to take a short quiz to see which birth class is for you. When you purchase either birth course, you'll have full access to it forever. And that means it will never expire and you can access it throughout any stage of your pregnancy 
or for any subsequent pregnancies that you have. You'll also gain free access to my Facebook group, linked to the class where you can ask questions about your pregnancy, share your birth story after you give birth, read other people's birth stories, and get to know other members who are in the course. There is also a money back guarantee. So if you are at all unsatisfied with your purchase, please, please send me an email at hello at mommylaborers.com for a full refund. There's really no risk to signing up and I promise you will learn a ton about what's to come when you give birth. As a listener of this podcast, you automatically get 20% off any purchase if you use the code podcastlistener. I've had tons of moms just like you enter these birth courses and have fabulous, wonderful, empowering births because they feel so much more educated about what's to happen. So if you are at all curious about birth education, again, I encourage you to go to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast and use the code podcast listener to save 20%. All right, so that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast. So I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.